Welcome to the Don't Stop Me Now podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Vaughn. Thank you for joining me. My guest today is Edward, also known as Cyber Homo. <laughs> That's C-Y-B-E-R underscore homo on Instagram. I would say that we've been connected through Instagram for at least three years, and I seriously thought I knew Edward because I follow his Instagram, and we've had several exchanges via DM, like little funny things that we talk about here and there, but he completely surprised me during this interview, and I honestly never knew his HIV story. I knew that Edward was really open and public about his status, and I know that he posts a lot of like shirtless selfies on his Instagram, and he used to post like really outlandish grinder conversations that would come up, but I did not expect this super deep and human side to Edward. It was such a pleasant surprise. You'll see. I'm pleased to share with you Cyber Homo. Here you can you hear me? Oh, now I can. Yeah, there you are. Yay. <laughs> oh, it finally got connected. Okay, good. I was Sweet. like, I cause like I could see you, but I couldn't hear you. Yeah. Do, you do you remember that I called you one time by accident through Instagram? Oh yeah. I, <laughs> I was at USCA and I like didn't even know I did it. We had been chatting through writing. And then I was getting in the bath. I'm in the bathroom. I have nothing on. And all of a sudden, I realized that I somehow hit the video button to call you. And of course, you answered it. And I was like, oh, holy shit. I didn't know what to do. And I was like, trying to, I like literally crouched down into a ball. And I'm like, I mean, not that you even freaking care. I'm a woman. But like, I remember like, I couldn't figure out how to turn it off because I'd have to look at my phone and I'd have to face it back and yeah. I was like I couldn't I remember it's it was like really complicated I could not figure out how to turn it off and I felt bad because I I don't think you understood what was going on I thought you just thought you know she's just calling and I'm all of a sudden I'm just literally freaking out but <laughs> yeah, I remember that That was so funny yeah that was a few years ago <laughs> so how are you Edward I'm doing good uh thank my sister just thank you for having me of course of course I'm so excited that you're doing this go ahead your sister with what's going on oh she came to visit uh for about a day and oh. so she just she just left right now I just said bye to her and um that's why it kind of took me a few minutes to kind of get get over here no worries I didn't even know you had a sister I saw you had a brother recently who flew you in a plane looked terrifying yeah, <laughs> yeah it is terrifying I've done that. Um, I've been on those little planes. They're freaking scary. Yeah. Oh, man. I just, I get like that in a plane, in a boat, anything that like is not connected to the ground. I don't have sea legs or, or wings at all. <laughs> well, those planes, it's a, what do they call Like a Cessna? I mean, mm -hmm. it's like being in a little basket with wings. I mean, they're so small. It's the oh, scariest yeah. feeling. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I've been in a couple of those and I remember it really hurt my ears because the there's like no pressurization or whatever and my ears yeah. were killing me. But... That's what was making me so dizzy. I've mm. had a lot of ear infections in, oh. in my right ear. Um, I, yeah, I get vertigo from, from that happening. I feel like it just made me so dizzy. I couldn't look at the ground. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm a right ear infection person also. That's interesting. Yeah. I've always been, it's always been my right ear. There's something on, going on with like the tube or whatever. Do you have tubes at all? Do they still do that? You're younger than me. Um, you know, I don't think they did a tube necessarily on mine. I think there, you know, something happened in there and it never was the same, but I used to get it so bad that my whole jaw would just mm. be in pain. 
It's the worst. My son actually got the tubes. That's right. They still do those. And then they eventually just come out. But he had had, he qualified because if you have so many ear infections within a certain amount of time, they're like, yeah, we're going to put those tubes in. Okay. So you have a brother and sister. I, we, my daughters and I were trying to figure out what your heritage is. What I um, actually have two sisters too. Oh. Um, one of them actually plays professional women's soccer. No and way. She, she, she used to play professional women's soccer. She played for Mexico and now she's the the head coach at Yonel. So you're not Greek? No, actually, um, I took a DNA test just recently, and um, I found out I'm Irish and British and Native American Mexican, and just a bunch of everything European. Interesting. We were trying, yeah, we were trying to figure out, I was like, well, first of all, do you speak Spanish? We were curious about that too. You know what? At first, I didn't know how to speak Spanish, but then I started working... (laughs) at a TJ Maxx down here and all the, the ladies, I would try to sell them a credit card in Spanish. So know how to sell a credit card in Spanish. <laughs> that is pretty amazing. I worked at, uh, well, a bank in college and I used to know how to like ask if they had an account there and stuff like that. But I've learned mm-hmm. most of my Spanish just from the kids at the schools when I, cause they're all, everybody's bilingual here. They're, I'm very yeah. jealous. I wish I could be more bilingual. I could probably understand it more than I can speak it. My sister, Jenny, the soccer player, she speaks fluent Portuguese. How does she speak that and you don't? She lived in Brazil with her husband and uh, they actually did mission trips. And um, they're in the, they were in the Amazon. (laughs) They lived in Annapolis for two years and they had a a Portuguese tutor. And when you're immersed in that area, then you just pick up the language better. You have no choice. Yeah, kind of forces you to, you know, get frustrated and, and kind of learn, you know. Definitely. And so did you grow up in Los Angeles? Uh, I actually grew up in Orange County and then we moved out to uh, Corona. And um, that's over here in the Inland Empire down south. Okay. So when I say Los Angeles, I always think it just covers everything. So you're out of the Los Angeles County? Just zone? outside of it. I mean, I'm kind of like in between um, Orange County um, Temecula, uh, I want to say Ontario. Oh, wow. That's like, so you're more East, right? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. More inland. Got it. Okay. And how old are you? I'm actually 26. I'm going to be at 27 in December. God, you're a baby. My God, you're so young. Oh, and what do you do for a living? Uh, well, right now I'm doing notary work for escrow companies. And that, your dad is a lawyer? My dad, he's a, he's a broker and uh, that's, that's basically what he's done. And he's done real estate and he's done it his whole life pretty much. Yeah, because you had information for us or you helped me and Eric with uh, immigration questions. And I know that you were like- he Actually, he helps a lot of people with immigration and that's, that's what he did for a long time. He would help people and he, he loves to help people with that stuff, you know? Yeah, it was awesome. I remember you telling me that you did notary work. I remember that during that conversation. So you still do that now? Yeah, I got my uh, my commission remo- re- uh, renewed. <laughs> and then you can work from home, right? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, all in all, I end up having to drive somewhere, you know? Yeah. So and no more bartender work. Were you a bartender for oh a while? My God. Yeah, I, I worked behind the bar at, um, at a menagerie. And uh, it's this bar in Riverside. And um, it's uh, one of the bars. I don't know if you if you know anything about uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. 
Yeah, I've heard of that, of course. Yeah. Uh, well, Raven came from that bar. And so okay. uh, she used to perform there. And now she does RuPaul's makeup and everything. And oh, you're kidding. Yeah. So are they just, are they closed now? Um, I think they're open right now. I, I haven't gone to a bar in so long, to be honest. All year long, I've just avoided the bars. Yeah, because of COVID. Yeah, that and, you know, just, you know, working and going to a bar all the time is is just like, ugh, you get sick of it after a while. I mean, it was it was a fun job. You know, I had so mm-hmm. much fun working there. I did uh, security at first. I was a bouncer. Mm-hmm. And then I, I worked behind the bar and um, it was really fun. I got the lighting for the drag shows and all that and got to make birthday shots and, you know, do all kinds of stuff like that. So you shows. learned on the job. You learned how to bartend on the job. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I learned how to do anything that like needed to be done. Because I mean, I, I didn't have a job for you know a long time mm-hmm. after my diagnosis. That was like one of the first jobs I had in a while, and you know, it felt really good to get out and like, you know, just not be you know at home all the time. But mm-hmm. <laughs> Were you feeling like? depression from the diagnosis and you just didn't want to go out or what was going on I think I got a little agoraphobic for a little bit I was like afraid mm-hmm. to go outside I definitely did get uh, depressed but you know right after my diagnosis I, I didn't necessarily stay home I just uh, tried to connect with people that I knew mm-hmm. that were um, that were already positive and um, you know I met this guy and we, we stayed, stayed out in LA with each other. And um, it was a pretty interesting time. You know, I learned a lot about HIV because when I was diagnosed, I, I wasn't particularly educated, you know, on mm-hmm. a lot of stuff. You know, I just kind of felt like I got like thrown into a different world, you know. I want to hear your whole story because you have a really interesting testing story. But um, how long have you been positive that you know of or when were you Um, diagnosed? Almost four years, I think. Yeah, 27. Yeah, I found out when I was 23, right after I was 23, December 19th. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I I just, you know, where do I begin? So um, I met this guy like probably earlier that year. And... He was, um, you know, a really good-looking guy. He was muscular, and you know, of course, my my eyes are bigger than my, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you know, I got along really well with him. We went to a bar, and we we met at like a yard house or something. And then, you know, I was we were really into each other, and you know, I really connected with him on like a lot of ways, you know, mm-hmm. and. Um, we ended up, you know, hanging out that night and like, um, you know, I've always been the kind of person to like test myself frequently because I've, I've always had this like, you know, just this fear in the back of my head, you know, growing up, like when you're, you know, when you're gay and especially a gay man, you, you know, you get afraid of that stuff and, you know, it, it gets, uh, it gets nerve wracking just to, try to go out and find somebody that you know you like and you you want to let your guard down to Mm -hmm. and so I I let my guard down with that guy I Mm -hmm. you know we we obviously we had sex and um 
we dated for a little bit after that. And um, just kind of throughout um, the week, I was going to uh, go travel up north to see my sister uh, with my mom. And it was like a week later and after we'd done that, and I got really sick. And um, I got so sick that it was like, it, it felt like a horrible flu. Just like uh, my, my lymph nodes were all, in, they felt inflamed. And um, I just, I couldn't get out of bed for two days. And um, the only thing that would help was like going in the shower and just sitting in the shower. And I would, you know, just like sit there and let the warm water hit because it was so bad and, and medicine wasn't fixing it. Mm-hmm. And actually, they actually took me to the emergency room and they couldn't help me because I, I didn't have insurance. And so every time I went to go get tested, I would go to like Planned Parenthood or, you know, someplace like that. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I went and got tested on, you know, the way back. I started feeling better on the trip back. And I, I got this like, you know, feeling in the back of my head that something was wrong, you know, it was, didn't feel like just a, like a cold and it never really, you know, went away. And this was one week after the exposure? Yeah, it was one okay. week. You're breaking and all the rules because they always say it's two weeks. So, okay, keep yeah, going. I felt, <laughs> I, felt, I felt sick and you know, it could have been, you know, two weeks. Maybe it was like a week and a half, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I got a test on my, my, when I got back home and I was negative. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't think much about it. I thought maybe I just got a really bad flu. I was traveling, you know, and kept spending time with this guy and um actually one day uh, he took me to work with him and um I didn't I kind of really put it in the back of my head you know mm-hmm. and um we're going and doing his uh work route and we get he we get to this uh lady's house where we're working on poles and you know he's he's trying to uh take me through the route because we were having some kind of a, a little tiny issue with me being a little paranoid <laughs> <laughs> so he took me with them and we so anyways we get to this lady's house and um she you know gets me alone and she starts talking to me and she goes you know um I have a a brother who's positive and his his you know his life is just the same as it was before you know you know and she was talking to me about like all this stuff about HIV and I, I couldn't understand why And then I realized when she like, when she, I kind of got this confused look on my face. She was like talking about it. Like she thought I already had it or something. Like she thought that I was with him because I had, you know, HIV. And um, so it freaked me out and we got in the car and um, I asked him if he had HIV and he got really upset with me. Uh, He said, I couldn't believe that you would think that of me. And, you know, we got in a fight and, you know, he took me home. Oh, my God. And um, so I started testing myself more. And um, I got this, uh, like, a symptom. I thought I had a gonorrhea or something. And he told me that he was taking pills for, for something like gonorrhea. So I went to the doctor again. And, um, you know, I had this, like, discharge or whatever. And... Uh, he told me that I tested negative for gonorrhea, 
but you know, this kind of symptom is a symptom of HIV and you should be getting tested. And a lot of people um, actually don't, some, some people turn positive immediately. And then there's other people that like turn positive. It can, it can go up to like six months, right? It's super rare as far as I know, but you are like, when I asked that question on Instagram, has anybody ever tested negative at six weeks? I think was my question. And then, then tested positive later. You were one of a very few that answered yes, but you're, yeah, yeah, it was interesting. I tested tested positive like three months later. And um, so, which kind of confused me, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, it, it was just like a, something that I asked him about and he told me that he just got tested and that he was a negative. (laughs) And Mm. so he told me, you know, he, he told me all that stuff and, you know, I believed him and uh, I just thought it was my own fault because, you know, uh, we broke up like kind of a little bit after we got in that fight. I felt super bad. I felt like I was accusing him of stuff and I just felt like really, you know, uh, I felt really like beat up about it that I would be so aggressive and confrontational. It's just I I hate being like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, you feel like you feel like they have some control, and the more you push, the weaker you feel. If that's what you're saying, I've been there. It's not a good feeling, and yeah, sometimes just and getting out of it is like all you can do because it's like you're just wanting it to be different. And it's not, and then yeah, they get all this power. It sucks. Yeah. And, you know, fast forward, like when I'm working at the bar, right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he comes in and starts visiting me and he starts trying to flirt with me, you know, can you pour me a beer? You know, and I'm like, you know, go ask someone else to go pour you a beer. Yeah. And he would come in like every week, the same, the same day, because he knew I was working. After you broke and- up? after we broke up and I, I kind of like let it go. Like I, I, I thought, you know, maybe it wasn't him mm-hmm. and I kind of, you know, just let, let, let it go essentially. And um, I was kind of talking to somebody at the bar that I worked with at the time and he started coming in and, you know, bothering me and mind you, he's lost, I don't know, 50 pounds. <gasps> oh my God. And, he looks skinnier than me. Like I started working out and, you know, I think it was probably like the end of 2018. So, so you was, were on treatment at this point. You were totally aware of I your was status. Totally and... undetectable and um, I was, you know, educated about it. And, you know, literally I, I didn't know that, you know, you equals you until maybe four months after I became positive. Mm-hmm. I, I just thought I was a, uh, you know, I was going to pass it to anyone, no matter what, you know, you had a doctor who didn't inform you. No, but, um, they, they informed me because they said you're undetectable. And I had like no reaction. I was like, okay, Okay. what's that mean? Okay. What's that mean? And so he had to tell me and I, I made me so happy to just hear that, you know, and I, I was you know, made me feel like I could live a normal life again. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this guy, he came in and started harassing me essentially at the bar. And then he told the guy I was talking to that I gave him HIV. Oh. And, um, you know, men started coming in, asking me about him. 
because they all had unprotected sex with him. Oh, no. And so, you know, I definitely have taken, you know, a couple guys to go get tested in that instance. And that's all like you can do at that moment. You know, I all, all I did was, you know, point them to the right direction because, you know, the way I found out was I felt like I shouldn't have been alone or, you know, I was in a, I was in a planned parenthood. Yeah, I was in a, I, I went to go get tested by myself and, um, you know, they tested me for HIV and everything. They did a finger break and um, they tested me for everything else. And I just told them like, you know, my lymph nodes hurt. And, um, you know, the day before I had been uh, trying to move furniture with my friend and I just like fell down to the ground mm. and like couldn't get up. And uh, I just was like, oh, there's something really wrong with me. I know what it is, like something's wrong and I need to go get tested. And um, so I went into Planned Parenthood and I was kind of like not thinking about it at all. You know, I, I didn't think it was HIV. And I heard someone outside the door yell, uh, test him for HIV too as well. And I was like, oh my gosh, whoever that guy is, is in big trouble. Like I heard that and I was like, he's in big trouble. Mm-hmm. And they came in and it was about four or five of them actually. And um, oh they, uh, they examined me on a table and they, you know, they brought me back up and they said, okay, so we have to tell you some news and we're not sure if this is, you know, this could be a mistake, they told me. And um, she said, You're, you've tested preliminary positive. And I just like bursted in tears. I was <sighs> like, uh, I can't believe that I was just so irresponsible, you know. Oh, the shame and, came in right away. Yeah, and, and they said, we need to take your blood for further testing. And I just said, here, just take my blood. And I, I knew that I was positive already mm. because even though they were confirming it, um, I, just, I just knew, like, I, everything that happened at the end of that year, towards the end of summer, and, um, you know, all of that stuff just kind of like, it was all pointing to it, you know? I just, it was all kind of pecking at me in little ways, like the lady talking to me at the pool in her house and, um, you know, cause she knew him mm-hmm. and she probably didn't think anything of it. You know, I was the one that was, uh, that really, you know, I, I could say that this guy is just in denial about it. You know, I was going to ask, I don't understand if he knows he's positive, why is he not on treatment? I don't understand why would he continue to like put everybody at risk if he's super aware of it and then of course blame everybody and say that someone else gave it to him if he's you know with it right then I don't I don't understand that yeah it was he's he was just a I don't know he turned out to be a bad person for the longest time I was really beat up over it you know I was just like trying to trying to get over it in a way I did end up getting over it that that night he said that I that I gave him it and I, I was just like, oh my God, you do have it. You know, you, you do, you know, you're, you're the asshole. 
You know, it's interesting. Brittany and Blakely has a very similar story with someone who would not, he's not on treatment and he's been giving it. There's other girls that are documented that have, they've all gotten it from the same person. And I don't understand again. And it, it's just the same thing. Brittany Ann says he's just a bad person. You know, why is he doing this? We, we, you know, we don't really know why what's going on, but denial is probably part of it for sure. Oh yeah. And some people think that, you know, that they think that other people deserve things because mm-hmm. they have, you know, mm-hmm. and that could have, that's what I kind of figured, you know, even I, I, I don't mean to get so like personal, but like, even like during, I should have realized the stuff he was saying to me when it was happening. Like I should have realized that those, you know, those words he was saying to me while being intimate were, were, you know, the words of somebody who likes to give HIV. Damn. Can you say what they were? Um, well, he just was like, oh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to send you up. <laughs> wow. And of course and, you had no idea what he was talking about. Yeah. And I, I just, I thought, you know, maybe he's, you know, guys say weird things when they, you know, when, when they do it. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that like the stuff he was saying was like, you know, I should, I should have been more careful, but um, I, I wasn't. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes when you're in the heat of the moment and mm-hmm. you really like somebody, especially aesthetically, you know, that's yeah. what happened. We, we just couldn't wait. Of course. Of course. It's so normal. People have so much shame about sex. I talk to people all the time and they always say, you know, they beat themselves up about saying that they were irresponsible and they should have known better. And I'm like, you're human. I mean, this is like, you're a human. It's human behavior. It's like, yeah, it kind of takes something out of it when not that you shouldn't use protection. People always get mad at me for saying, I don't, I don't say that enough, but of course, in the heat of the moment, you're just like, yes, let's just do this. Like, I mean, you don't want to stop and bother with condoms and all that. I mean, I know they're there for a reason, but yeah, it stops the progress. It stops what's happening in that moment. So yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Well, I mean, it's really fun to be as intimate with somebody as you can be. And that's super intimate. That's the most, that's the closest you can be with somebody. It's without a condom. So, and it's, you know, it's exciting. (laughs) Come on. And, you know, I was, I was also young too, like, and I probably shouldn't have been dating a guy that was like 10 years older than me. Well, you know, I, I never had a problem with that stuff because my parents were, um, are 14 years apart. And so mm-hmm. um, I never thought, saw that as like a bad thing. No. You know? When you tested at Planned Parenthood, was that three months after your exposure? It was three months. Okay. That's when you got, and why did they need so many people in the room? I, I don't know, honestly. Um, you know, I figure that sometimes that when they're trying to train uh, people that uh-huh. they have men and maybe, maybe they had asked me, something or I signed something that let them do that. But I, I had to wait another two weeks to, to figure out my confirmatory test. Oh God. What was that your was viral during, load? Oh, it was um, 1000. You obviously just got it. Yeah, it was 1000. It was oh, wow. just, it was weird. You know, it was, um, I don't know. I, I guess HIV is different for everyone. You know, everyone kind of goes through different things from Mm -hmm. what I hear. I I hear so many guys with different stories. Mm -hmm. 
Because you would think with how sick you were that it would have been like really, really high. But clearly it wasn't as high, but you were still really physically affected by it. I I feel like um, I'm very sensitive to my body. Mm -hmm. I feel like my body, I can tell what's going on like right away, you know. Were you, when you first were sick, did you stay sick that whole time until you tested positive at Planned Parenthood? Because you were talking about how you were trying to carry that thing. I got better, but not all the way. I was kind of feeling like a little sick every now and then. And I did have a, I had a canvassing job. Actually, I quit that job the day I found out I had HIV. I was, um, I was walking around and, you know, um, my chest kind of hurt a little bit or, Mm. or like, I feel like the breath would be taken out of me and, Mm. or, you know, a sharp pain in my, my groin and my feet. I could, as soon as I found out, I noticed all these things just were pointing at me. My lymph nodes were swollen head to toe. I, I, I can't even explain like, like how I even figured it out, but it's just, I could feel like lethargic. And as soon as I was moving that furniture with my friend in her new apartment, I knew I was like, I can lift this couch. Why, why do I feel like exhausted, you know? Did your joints hurt or your muscles? Like I remember my forearms, my my actual like muscle in my forearm was sore. My whole body was sore. Just and... sore everywhere. Yeah, it's like you almost to the touch it's sore. I remember rolling over in my bed and thinking I needed a new mattress because my hips hurt so bad during the night. I would turn over and turn over just before I knew. And I was like, God, I got to get a new mattress. And it was, <laughs> it was not the mattress. My knees were burning. I could feel like just every time I like bent down, or something and you know I think that um you know I definitely noticed it a lot more when I had it in my head that it was a possibility I think the stress made it a lot worse it kind of exacerbated it you know I had to wait two weeks to find out a confirmatory test and you know my my older eldest sister came with me to find out with my mom So they actually went with me that time because the very first time I found out I was, I was so scared. I, I didn't want to go home. I wanted to like close my eyes and drive somewhere with my eyes closed. And I was feeling really down. I mean, I just, I, I was so depressed. I I thought my, my life would just be different. You know, you know, I wasn't necessarily wrong, but it's not a bad different. You know, I learned so many things that are going to help me later on in life, you know, and to understand something else that goes along with, you know, the gay community and even the heterosexual community too, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not just uh, predominantly homosexuals, you know, it's people that use drugs too. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I I know a guy actually that um, my sister had a best friend in high school um he actually uh used drugs and um he shared needles and he actually got her pregnant and um thankfully she didn't have hiv but he acquired hiv from doing drugs so she had to get herself tested and you know she was she wasn't really worried about it but um i I did talk to her a lot when i did find out because she told me about her um, her baby daddy's experience and at him and so I just chose to kind of start um 
I, I want to just start being healthier, like go running more, exercise. How'd you tell your family? It sounds like you're really close to them. Was it even an issue? Oh God, it was, it was a week, two weeks of torture. Oh. It was, I told my mom the very first day I found out and I said, mom, I have to tell you something. And she was outside smoking because she used to smoke cigarettes. She vapes now, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> mom and her vape. I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> smoky, smoky <laughs> the bandit. Um, Blowing out her vape in the BMW. It's <laughs> 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 <That's> awesome. <laughs> yeah. The best mom I could ask for. Yay, I, mean, I love that. Yeah. I'm very close with my mom. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I told her, I said, mom, um, I have HIV. And she said, you have AIDS. Oh. <laughs> and I said, no, it's, it's not AIDS yet. I just got it now. And she said, oh my God. And she goes, um, you know, we talked about it and I said, they told me that, you know, if I do turn out to be positive, because this was the preliminary positive diagnosis you know, it took me a while. And so I, I told everybody, my closest mm -hmm. friends and my, my family. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I told my mom, uh, the second person I told, but I, I told my best friend first. And I drove to her house and she, um, you know, she was there with me because I, you know, I didn't want to be alone and mm -hmm. I didn't want to go home because I was really dreading to tell my mom. I was like, oh my God, this feels like coming out again, you know? It's, it's like you have to come out a second time and, and you don't want to, you know, tell your parents something that, that they're afraid of you getting, you know? Of course. My mom told me when I was younger, she said, I'm, I'm afraid, you know, you're going to get HIV from, you know, being gay. And she, she loved me and doesn't care what I am, but, you know, she told me that that's what she was afraid of, you know? How, how old were you when you came out to your family? And was that really... I, I was definitely going to ask you that. I wanted to know how that went. I was 16 and um, I was about turning 17. And um, I, I just was getting, I really didn't want to tell anybody at first. Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to kind of stay in the closet and just kind of deal with it when I, when I was uh, a little bit older. I ended up getting uh, really depressed and some things happened to me that kind of you know, made me feel like, I don't know, I guess really, I, I ended up being, it was one day I was just sitting on the side of the house and I couldn't stop crying because mm. I just broke down. And I was, my, my mom came up to me and she said, you know, what's wrong with you? And she sat me in a room and I didn't want to say anything. And, you know, she sat in the room and she just asked me questions until she got the right one. <laughs> Did she have an idea? I think she did. I think a mom always kind of knows mm -hmm. when their kid is a little, because I, I do believe that people do grow up, whether they know it or not. You know, some people discover early on in life, like me, you know, mm -hmm. I remember being so little and being like, oh, I know I'm different, you know, like, mm. from not heterosexual. And that was kind of like a, a fearful thing because, you know, I was raised Christian mm. and um, uh, I... I would go to church. I used to go to church all the time, <laughs> do um, youth group, go on uh, youth trips. And um, I ended up one day not going anymore because they did a sermon about gay people. Oh, my God. And they looked at me. 
they were looking at me the whole time. No way. Yeah, oh it was like oh a small God. group. And it just it made me never want to go back to church again. And oh I just stopped going at that point. And, you know, I did get really depressed because in the back of my mind, I thought it was a sin to be gay. And I said, oh, I don't want to go to hell. You know, I don't oh. want to. Mm-hmm. And that was my main fear. I felt like I was going to go to hell. Because, you know, I, I do I do believe in God. I, I'm, you know, still a Christian, but I don't um, agree with certain things. I think the, you know, the Bible is a good, you know, thing to, to read by going on morals and, you mm-hmm. know, taking things like with a grain of salt, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, I do feel that people do take it so literally that they, they let it dictate their lives. And I... I'm just more of a spiritual person now. I think mm-hmm. more so like, you know, it's good to have a belief because, you know, part of being human is, it's having a belief, whether it's you don't believe in anything or you do believe in something. And I think that's part of the experience when, you know, you, you believe in something wholeheartedly. And, you know, I just, I talked with my mom all night long about it and, you know, she's, she, she left me alone for a few days and she came back and she was like, you know, it's not a sin. She just told me like, how could God not love you as much as everybody else? That made me feel okay with being gay and to pretty much always be honest about it. And that was my, uh, my thing. It made me feel better. Thank God for your mom. Oh my God. Thank God as a Christian that she was able to come to that. Yeah, it was it was nice to have such great parents. You know, I'm so mm-hmm. thankful that, you know, my parents never kicked me out or they never, you know, treated me different. When I, t- I told, I, I was afraid of that happening again when, when I came out as HIV positive to them. I, I waited until the day before I found out my confirmatory test to tell my dad. And, you know, that was a different story. I mean, he just yelled he said oh. you were supposed to take care of yourself oh and you know it was emotional he's scared for you so it comes out like in in a angry way probably he yeah, doesn't want anything would... to happen to you yeah yeah and i um you know I, I went over there to the clinic and you know we were waiting in the waiting room and by that time i'm just like shaking like i know what's gonna happen and i just i just don't want to hear it you know Mm-hmm. and uh I went in and there was a nurse in there on the computer by myself in the room with her and I just kind of w- told her I was like am I gonna die she told me like you know my nephew has HIV and he's fine you just need to make sure to take your pills and you know just be be careful for now on and they came in she told me and they handed me a paper and they said, these are the things you can do to go to. And uh, we can't help you any more further here. So this will be up to you for now. And uh, they didn't have a HIV counselor there because their HIV counselor was on vacation. And so um, I basically came home and I laid down on the couch and I just kind of was thinking. and. I realized that like, I didn't want to wait. And 
I just got up and I started calling all those places and I didn't have insurance. So I was kind of like scared. I'm like, how am I going to pay for this? You know, mm-hmm. and I, uh, you know, I ended up getting uh, help with the county and then uh, they you went through a social worker. Yeah, I, w- I had a, oh, I still have a social worker now. They just call me from time to time to make sure everything is, you know, up to date. And they also call me, they're like, oh, are you doing any drugs? You know, I'm like, no, no drugs. Because, <laughs> you know, a lot, of, a lot of people down here, they do get it through drugs. And um, a lot of people during this time and in, in uh, the pandemic, uh, a lot of people relapsed. And so mm-hmm. I see a lot of people just, you know, even more people out in the street just with their minds lost. My virus came from Los Angeles. That's where really? the person who gave it to me, yeah, he had spent some time down there and had a girlfriend that he was sharing needles with. And that's where he told me. And so, and it made its way up to where I live. So, and the Mishta, who I interviewed last week, um, she was in Tahoe and it was from a guy that she had dated down in LA who was doing drugs and he brought it to her to Tahoe. I mean, it's so crazy. Los Angeles. Yeah. yeah. It's um, a lot of drug use. People are just, uh, they're crazy. I never, ever would want to put a needle in me unless they're taking my blood. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, even that, I just, I, I can't really even look at it. I can, I'm better now than I was the first time. The first time they took so many vials. And, or I remember like. that too. Yeah, me too. They gave you like, this could be a false positive and we have to wait for like the viral load and all that. I got the same thing. I got that from the doctor, but then I don't know for me. And it sounds like for you, I was like, it can't be anything else. It has to be this. Like, even though they, did you feel that way? I mean, it felt like, it felt like it was HIV. And I knew in the back of my head to go get tested, but it, it wasn't completely at the front of my head. I thought, you know, maybe it was just something that was going to clear my mind because, you know, I've always been kind of a little bit of a hypochondriac when it came to that stuff. And yeah, I just, I thought it would clear my mind. I thought it would clear it up to where I was like, okay, it's not that you're just, you know, freaking yourself out over nothing. Because, you know, I I was in that mentality when when I was going through all of that, I wasn't, I, I just, I knew in the back of my head that it was happening, just these little hints. Mm-hmm. But when I actually got that preliminary test, then I was, I was just like, yeah, it's this. I know it's this. You know how they brought you into a room to tell you, this is how I got my information, which looking back, I'm like, it was so inappropriate. I had been calling the office who had drawn my blood. So I was checking with them kind of like, I waited. I remember like holding, like waiting five days just to call because I didn't want to bother them. But I'm like, did you get the results back yet? Like I'm waiting to find out if there's a viral load. I'm waiting to find out if this was a positive test because all I got was that it was a positive antibody, but it may not be, you know, maybe false. So I was really you know, holding my breath for five days or so. And um, I don't know, I think it was like, a maybe it was a week later, the um, receptionist who was this young girl, she like put me on hold and she comes back and she goes, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, you have a, um, a viral load of 507,000. And I remember just like, like the way she said it, I, I had no idea what that meant. I just knew that was a huge number and it meant I had it. 
And this is how I was getting the news was from a receptionist over the phone who wasn't, I don't even think she was a medical assistant. I don't think she even knew what she was telling me, except she knew she was giving me information about me being positive. And there was part of me that felt like she, and I know this could all just be in my head, but I felt like she was like, too bad. You were irresponsible. Yes. You have a big number in you of a very bad thing. Sorry. You know, it just did. There was no care at all, no explanation. And it could just be that she had no idea what she was talking about, but that's how I got the news. Yeah. I just remember feeling horrible about that number. Cause I didn't know what the hell it meant. You know? Yeah. I, I didn't even know my viral load at first mm-hmm. when they, they diagnosed me, they didn't even give me any proof. They just said I was positive and, um, they couldn't help me any further because their oh. clinic was, was, wasn't directed towards that. And um, they gave me a paper and um, I had to go through the testing process all over again, actually go get another test in order to get um, approved for medication. Cause you know, they have to do like the mutation test to see if your virus is, you know, mutated against certain classes of drugs. And, mm-hmm. you know, thankfully, um, that was something that I didn't have to, I didn't have to deal with any resistance or anything. I could take mm-hmm. any I want. Did you go through ADAP? Um, yes, I did. Um, I, actually, I went to the, the Foothill AIDS Project. And I think it's, um, what is it called? Is it ADAP or ARIES? I don't Not even know it. what ARIES is. I think it might be, I think it's similar to ADAP. It's for people with low income. And so I, you know, I went and did the intake and I basically uh, had to put that my parents were supporting me, that I was living in this house and um, it would be approved if I, you know, my address doesn't change or, you know, I, the circumstances change, I think, when you make over about 50 grand. And then I think you do have to go through ADAP. Are your meds free then? Yeah, my meds are free. And um, that's the good thing about down here, that we have good health care for HIV. You know, it might not be the best, but it's something. And you could, even if you didn't have insurance, you could still go to the county and you could still go fill out an intake with them and they can take care of you in that way because they want you to stay on medication. Can't remember his name. The guy from Queer Eye, Jonathan. Oh, yeah. He's he I remember him talking in an interview. He says it's all possible. There's just a lot of like it takes many steps. He felt like the process of getting medication can sometimes feel overwhelming and frustrating, but it's there. It just takes many steps to get to it. But it's there. It takes about a month Mm -hmm. to get on medicine and going through all the steps down here. Mm -hmm. And once I did get on it, um, actually, I was on I've been on three medicines and Mm -hmm. uh, I took a tripla at first me too mm-hmm. yeah terrible and that that was uh those pills i don't know they those things get you high they're <laughs> awful well i re- yeah. i was already sick and then like i want to feel this crap on top of it it was like oh it was the worst four days every time i'd look at that pill and i'd go oh my gosh if i put this down my throat i'm gonna feel so shitty in about an hour that was the worst did you yeah. ever get like a buzz or like a vivid dreams yeah oh yeah I mean I felt like I had a box around my head I remember like just feeling I mean I yeah for sure it gives you a high feeling but when you're already like I didn't have the pneumonia under control at all at that point so I was super nauseated from all that so then this on top of it maybe if I wasn't sick yeah it just made it it compounded everything so yeah vivid dreams for sure 
I think I probably still do sometimes. I don't even know. Now it's all just normal for me because I don't even know if it's just like yeah, I mean, how it was before. That, that's how I <laughs> how I feel too. I think I since I I took it for about a year and a half, and I I think it was made, really affecting me. I still get vivid dreams even oh, after wow. it. Yeah. What do you? So then, what did you take after that? Uh, I took Trimec. Yay! And, that's what uh, I thought. I thought you were the same as me. Yeah, I was. I was taking Trimec. And I actually, I, I switched to Trimec because you were on Trimec. Oh, that's awesome. I wanted, I wanted to try out that drug because you, it seemed like um, that those drugs were really working for you. And so mm-hmm. I was like, okay, like I'm going to do it too. And actually my CD4 went up to a thousand when I was on that. And it's um, still terrible. Mine's still at 500 or right around there, but it's fine. I feel fine. My, so. Mine went back down to, to 500. Um, oh. I actually, I switched to Big Tarvi after that. I had a conversation with my doctor. You know, I, I, I still have a problem with smoking cigarettes still. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I can't help it sometimes. Yeah. You get stressed, but you just need to cope in some kind of way. Of course. <laughs> so um, nicotine is yeah. like one of the strongest addictions, yeah. of course. Yeah. He told me that um, if you smoke and you take Trimec, that he knew a, f- a few young men that were my age and they took Trimec and they smoked and they had heart attacks. And oh, so shit. He told me that he didn't want me to get on to have a heart attack. And come to find out, I actually have high cholesterol, high blood pressure, and all that stuff. So, wow. Is that uh, genetic? Yeah, genetic. My mom has it too. And um, my grandpa had it. My grandpa actually had a heart attack, got off the medication because um, I uh, thought it would be safer to, for me personally. I, I don't think it's, um, it's, it's not a bad drug. It was making me really healthy. And, you know, I just kind of, kind of weighed the risks on that one. Which one decided- did you go off of the high blood pressure or the high cholesterol? The cholesterol, because, you know, that that's genetic and there's a possibility that I might have to be on cholesterol medication, but I'm trying to control it, trying to uh, just work out. Um, don't drink beer, drink wine, mm-hmm. you know, I used vegetables. to be a pharmaceutical sales rep. That's the stuff I sold or sold whatever I brought to doctor's offices. I'm so curious to know what, well, you don't have to share that it's medical information, but yeah, I used to sell high blood pressure medication and High cholesterol, because a lot of times they go hand in hand, but sorry, cut you off. You work out. (laughs) (laughs) I just am excited to, I'm just excited to tell you, like, I know about those drugs. (laughs) Yeah, she's actually, she's actually giving me a chance to control it naturally. And that's what I really appreciate about my doctor because, uh, well, my specialist, you know, I don't know about the other ones, but um, Mm -hmm. my specialist is really great. Um, She is the most understanding when it comes to, all, all my needs and stuff. She, you know, I told her that I, I also have a, a vitamin D3 deficiency because um, I think it might, that might be a side effect of the meds. My vitamin D mm. goes away. And um, so I have to take a concentrated pill. And I told her that the concentrated pill was like uh, screwing up my stomach. And um, she put me on little gummies instead. And I was like, oh, thank you. Like she, oh. she was, like you know, CBD? She, um, I don't know what they are, but they're definitely really good. Um, <laughs> but um... I'm totally high. I don't know. Whatever. They're great. <laughs> <laughs> Love her. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think that when you have the right doctor and you talk to them, I've had very, 
I'm, I've been fortunate enough to have uh, good doctors and I may not have always had the same doctor because I've seen about three or four of them go out of the county. And I can only imagine how hard it is dealing with like the public with, with HIV and sure. just uh, dealing with that. And I know that there are doctors that they don't, they stop working in the, that line because it's so stressful. My doctor is also a county doctor. Yeah. And uh, she's great. She's great. But she only does one day a week. Maybe that's why. <laughs> yeah. <I laughs> she had to cut that. back because I'm sure, like, I know she doesn't see people like me on her normal. It's it's people that are typically homeless. That's who she's seen a lot of people that have drug problems. And yeah, she sees a very different clientele than myself. Yeah. And that's why my social worker asks me if I do drugs. I'm like, no. What? I know. I, I got a call from a social worker yesterday. For, it's called the care team. And he just wanted to make sure that I w- had enough supplies of gloves and masks and, and uh, hand sanitizer. And I thought, wow, I like, I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I'm <laughs> totally fine with all that stuff. But then I realized probably who he's talking to over, in the most part is like people that maybe are not even have a home, you know? Yeah. I mean, some people, they, they may say the economy is good right now, but it seems like economy is so bad and mm-hmm. there's so many people have been lost lost their jobs and you know yes. it's making it hard for people totally covid kept everybody home so many business closed my gosh so many yeah. okay i have a question when did you decide to go public because when we connected on instagram you were already out it was uh it was right away it, wow i i decided to go tell everyone that i thought i exposed myself and um, I told everyone, and um, actually, uh, it, it kind of was inspired by um, that other guy who was positive that I uh, uh, stayed with in LA. And you know, s- some things happened, and it made me realize that you know, if you're not out about it, and you know, you don't have, I, I never wanted to actually put it in people's faces. I just wanted them to know it about me because in my head, you know, I'm, I'm a young boy about 23 when I found out mm-hmm. and I'm still thinking in my head, you know, I, I don't want somebody to find this out later about me and, you know, deny me because I didn't tell them. Mm-hmm. So why not just put it right there? And that way I can see what it's like for people like, to see what it's like to be, how it works, how, you, how you're treated. I wanted mm-hmm. to see how it was going to be treated. And so Gosh, I put me it, too. Yep. I put it on my grinder, <laughs> my grinder, my Instagram, Facebook. I made posts and everything. And I decided I was going to start working out and doing all this stuff to show that, you know, it wasn't going to be any different. I wanted it to not be any different. And I just thought it was going to just be another thing about me that like is a part of me, you know, it's not like it's Mm going to go away. Never probably going to go away. Okay. I don't go on grinder obviously, but I know that you've used that in your bio. It's straight up in your bio. I need to know all of it. Like, how is that going? How does (laughs) that, like, how do people react? Is it any different with dating or? So I've been trying a couple things. I just recently, I just decided to take it off. But before, while I was doing it, I was putting it, um, I was putting it on there 
And oh my God, I got the craziest messages. I used to screenshot them all the time. And some, you know, there one time there was just some dude that was just like, it, it was making me laugh. I know it was vulgar, but you know, he was like, you you gay American monkey and your HIV. And I was just like, oh my God. Oh my like God. I just oh started God. laughing because I was like, that's so fucked up. <laughs> that's all you can do is laugh because somebody's so uneducated. That's I'm really glad that you could laugh because you know most people would be like that could just crush them. Yeah, and you know it is hard when you mm-hmm. you meet a, a cute boy and you tell them and they don't want to talk to you anymore. Mm. That's definitely happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, probably about eighty percent of the time, I want to say, and the other twenty percent is like these guys are so understanding and what I really liked about um putting my status out in Grinder is I ended up getting a lot of guys telling me that they're positive too and that they were recently diagnosed and so mm-hmm. I kind of took it upon myself to talk to these guys over Grinder, and you know so I kept it on for a very long time and um I ended up meeting other positive guys and guys who are on prep and you know I, I felt I felt like at first I had to find somebody else who was positive just mm-hmm. because it was like, well, maybe if we have that in common, that, that won't be an issue. Um, but then I learned, you know, that it doesn't have, they don't have to be positive or, you know, there's no reason to serosort and mm-hmm. just have that like uh, idealism that, you know, we both need to have this. Like, so you've dated not- guys that don't have it then? Yeah, actually... Yeah, I did date a few guys that don't have it, but I did date two guys that that did have it, and definitely, uh, it's a different feeling. I feel like you you do become more comfortable with somebody else who's also positive because naturally, yeah, yeah. It's just it it's so much easier. It's just even the comfort of each other is like it's like normal again, you know? Because you That's, both understand it, you both get it. Yeah. And that's, I hear a lot about that. You know, a lot of guys get, they get blocked or people harass them. I've been harassed so many times, just like crazy people just out of nowhere or some dude that I, you know, maybe I hooked up with like long time ago, even before that, then they asked me, did you have HIV while, while we were together? And I'm just like, Oh no, I just found out. Like I, I test myself. I, tested myself all the time i mean yeah. I, I for the moment i turned 18 i was like going to get an hiv test because i was already sexually active by that by that point and yeah I, I was scared you know i had i had a paranoia about it i um definitely focused on that a lot and i i feel that's really common in the gay community i feel like people that reach out to me have that initial fear and it's that same thing like if you come out to your family then of course they're terrified if you get hiv and then you like you said it's like coming out again i have a i have a relative who had to go through that who's um younger than you and it's really been difficult because he's yeah it's it's crushed him like he didn't and it's a christian family also and he didn't want to have to tell them that he was gay and then there we go he ended up with hiv um i think maybe less than two years after he he came out and it's like it was really hard. Yeah, it can be a lot harder, but it's, it's just something that you got to deal with. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I wish, you know, I could change the past and all that. But 
that's not the way it happened. I mean, if it didn't happen like this, I wouldn't be the person I am today. Of course. I'm genuinely a better person than I was before. And I, I feel like I had to learn things, you know, and I had to be strong for myself and try to be strong for the other people that were also going through it too. I did have a friend that I thought I exposed him to it and he got an HIV test and he was negative. So, but definitely he was, seemed a little bit more worried than me. And I just felt like, you know, I felt like crap. Yeah. You know, of course, I never, you didn't I never, intentionally. Yeah. I, you know, I, I never want something like that to happen to someone else. And I don't want it to be because of me. Mm-hmm, that, of course. That would kill me even more. You know, mm-hmm. I just, I never wanted that to happen. That's why I, you know, I stay on my meds and mm-hmm. I, you know, some days, yeah, it can be hard to have HIV, but it doesn't mean I'm going to stop taking my meds or, you know, like other people, I, I do know other people that they stop taking their meds. And Why do they stop? Because they just have this feeling like they're, it's, oh, sorry, there's my pill. Do you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> pill time. Um, (laughs) that was really like crazy timing um why um why do you think do you think it's just because it's just a reminder every day and they just don't want to think about it they want to pretend like they don't have it sometimes i think that other people actually get depressed to the point where they say why bother Mm -hmm. you know and uh you know I, i knew a guy like that and um actually um the one of my other positive partners that I had. Um, I went to go visit him up north and he told me up there after we had sex and everything, he told me he had AIDS. Wow. And, um, told me he was detectable and that it, it scared me again. I was like, oh my God, like, you know, nothing happened to me because, you know, I'm on medicine. Of course, nothing's going to happen if you're protecting yourself from being further infected, that's, that's what the pills are for. I mean, they're multi-purposed. I'm definitely like Tarvi, like, uh, actually is used as a post-exposure prophylaxis. Not just Truvada, Big Tarvi also. Yeah. I think, yeah. Someone just told me about that the other day. And that's, that's just goes to show you that, you know, there's multiple medicines that we can use. And if, you know, HIV positive people can take multiple medicines. I bet other people can too. It's just, they probably put you on Truvada because it's, you know, less drugs and it's not required to have so many drugs to prevent it like that. But they're even making medicines that are like two drugs for people who are positive. So that's me. I'm on Devada now, just two. Yeah. And it's, I'm going to be doing my blood soon, but that one drug they took out of it is just a huge difference for me. I used to have this little stomach ache and headache every day, but it's gone completely. So mm-hmm. back of ear was the and culprit. Th- so that was Trimac. That correct? was Trimac. Yeah. I had that side effect, but I don't have it anymore. Devato is the same thing, but it just has no back of ear. Hmm. That's interesting. I did have stomach problems when I took Trimac. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Every day, about an hour later, it's like, oh, I feel like, and I will tell you what it feels like. You wouldn't know this, but it feels like when you're pregnant, there's a queasy feeling that you get when you're pregnant. That's the same exact feeling I got with Triumac. About an hour later, I'm like, Oof. like I would never get to the point of throwing up, but it always felt like, ugh, just like, it's like, oh, will this pass please? And then it always would pass like 10 minutes, 15 minutes later sometimes yeah. a headache but it's gone completely with this with Devato. i don't feel i feel nothing awesome. i have nothing yeah it's awesome yeah so i'm curious on grinder do you see that more people are sharing their undetectable status yes you- and no i actually see a lot of stigma i see that a lot Damn. of people aren't educated in in the gay community but there's a lot of people who also are educated and you you kind of on Grinder, it's kind of something where you don't know who they are. So mm-hmm. you have to kind of like filter through them, the questions that they ask you. So mainly down here and anywhere you go, they'll say, are you clean and HIV negative? So those words completely are just like, okay, like you can put it on your profile. So recently that's what I've been doing. I've been, I took it off my profile. And mm-hmm. I decide to tell people that I'm positive when they ask me what happens, you know? So is it as a gay man, is that a pretty common, like, kind of upfront question that you'd be asked? Um, yeah. And, and it depends on who's asking, because some people will ask in the correct way. And they'll say, oh, you know, I'm the or they'll say their status themselves if they are, you know, a lot of people are positive down here so you do find a lot of people that are like okay i'm positive and they, they don't care about it and they know that you know they're not a danger to anyone but right. there's other, other people like who ask you are you clean and are you negative those are the people that are propagating the spread so much more it's mm-hmm. like it's sure. sarah sorting and like these pe- these guys they'll ask somebody that they're negative and they'll say yeah i'm negative but they're not on pills and they're not taking the steps they need to protect themselves like taking Mm -hmm. prep and instead they'll ask those questions and people will say yeah that's how i really feel like that the spread is happening sure especially in the gay community is just the fact that people are so trusting just by asking an incorrect question Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And they may say they're negative, but they might not know that they actually are not because they're not yeah. even protecting themselves. Yeah. And so that's kind of like the filter between an uneducated guy and like an educated guy, because mm-hmm. an educated guy will know that, you know, that you're not a danger and they're not going to you're not going to be a threat if you're undetectable. You know, it's actually safer to be with someone who's undetectable rather than be with somebody who is negative yeah so people people think the complete opposite of that and then they don't realize it like i didn't realize it until it happened to me Mm. and that's you know it kind of feels like karmic in a way to get Mm. these guys telling me that because i I know i used to do that too Mm, shit (laughs) and so i i just i don't get upset anymore i just i I just let it slide off my shoulder and just kind of deal with it. A a guy who I tell if they're all right with it, they won't care about it and they will still continue to talk to me. And so 
that's amazing that you can go back to the old you and kind of like remember how you might have thought about it if somebody you know what I mean and like you're you're more gentle on yourself because you I I try to put myself in other people's situation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I I know that I'm not perfect and Mm -hmm. I know that you know most people don't go through that every day and they don't think about it and they don't look it up because it's not relevant to them and but you know it's only relevant (laughs) yes yeah when when they're afraid and um that's what kind of makes people act the way they do in in this community is it's fear people were raised to be afraid and Mm -hmm. it's actually what we shouldn't have done (laughs) right it's just gone on for so many years can you explain really quick uh zero sorting for people who don't know what that means zero sorting is sorting someone based on their hiv status and you could be negative and wanting to only be with negative people, or you could be positive and only wanting to be with positive people. Now, you want to either be on the same side, seroconversion. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And you probably see a lot, a lot of that in the gay community. I do. I see, I see it both ways. I see it, negative people going with negative people, positive with positive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I can only watch. <laughs> <I can> only- <laughs> <laughs> okay I have some follow-up questions did you ever date a girl before you came out oh yes I've dated did. the girls I I was like maybe one will change my mind thinking that in my head and I dated a lot of girls and I was so afraid I knew I was gay I I was like (laughs) I didn't even want to kiss them I was like oh my god and then I would talk to them talk about them like like emotionally instead of like sexually or something I'd be like oh my god I don't want to hurt her feelings oh. if I break up with her and oh my gosh. you know I tried all the way up until my junior year of high school and um I, I ended up having that conversation with my mom and you know I decided that I was gonna stop doing all that and I was gonna did start... any of the girls catch on oh you know I got gay got called gay in middle school i i was definitely harassed about being gay and so there was you already had something that they felt was different they'd picked up on something yeah everyone did i mean i i liked i knew i liked boys and i was scared i was so in denial <laughs> so mm-hmm. wow i noticed for subbing i do notice that boys that uh you know sometimes you just have a feeling right and oh, i yeah, will notice tell. Yeah, and they'll yeah they'll gravitate towards each other. I do notice that. And mm-hmm. did you well, have that's... anybody that you felt like a boy that you felt like you could confide in, or? Um, I mainly confided in girls, mm-hmm. and um, a lot of the time, I did have friends that were boys, but we would get into these arguments, and then we wouldn't be friends anymore. <laughs> <laughs> were they straight? Um, you know, I don't know. I I do know. When I got to high school and like there was, you know, well, I don't know, in elementary school, there was a boy that I know is gay and he, we used to have the same reading class together and he used to stare me down for a whole hour straight. And that was the only, and then there was this boy who lived down the street from me and he came knocking on my door one time and, you know, I'm just, I was afraid of that Mm -hmm. stuff. 
So every time something remotely happened where, you know, I was friends with somebody else who was, I would kind of shoo them away because mm. I didn't want anyone to associate me with it. Oh, wow. And, oh, that much. Yeah, it'd be terrifying, I bet. You had a story. I don't even know if you're going to remember this, but you told this on your Instagram story one time. And I think it was when you were working at the bar. Um, there was a guy that had, had come in that you'd gone to high school with. And do you remember, like you said, he was like staring down at you, but I don't, there was something that was really funny about the whole thing. I don't remember if you confronted him or not. Do you remember that? Jeez, you know what? <gasps> Why do I remember this? But I just remember because you had such a funny story and it was kind of like a guy that maybe had been sort of a jerk to you in, in high school. Oh, you know what? I remember it was right after um, my senior year. I had this group of friends from different high schools because we all worked in the same shopping center. And I worked at a, a Tilly's. And What's that? I don't even know. The clothing, shoes, and accessories okay. uh, store. So it was a retail store. And mm-hmm. um, Oh, Tilly's. The- yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I know it. Yeah. All the people that worked in the shopping center, we all hung out together. We all had through parties and would go to each other's houses and throw parties. And um, there was this uh, guy that they wanted me to meet because... Uh, he was also gay. Mm-hmm. My friend, I want you to meet him. And um, we, we ended up going to, to Long Beach Pride and I met him there and mm-hmm. he hated me immediately. And um, I just, I didn't know why we, we were nice to each other. And then the girls started telling me that, you know, oh, he doesn't like you that much. And I'm like, okay. And so basically would just talk all kinds of crap to me to other people and I ended up not liking him because he was just this he was a rich kid and he definitely made me feel like crap I guess because oh you know that was like kind of like one of the first friends that I met that was you know um that I knew while I was out and stuff mm-hmm. so um every time we have hung out and stuff he's just always been just kind of like talks down to you and you know I saw him in the the bar and he didn't talk to me he he literally looked at me like I was like some sort of cesspool or something and he you know just would like whisper to other people and I just I was losing my shit I think I was like I did a rant that night because I was like I was just like, this guy sucks. Fuck him. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I was, That's I what I remember. Know. It was so funny. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Really... I, yeah. My, my nephew loves when I rant. <laughs> me too. I totally enjoy it. Yeah. It cracked, I think I even shared it with my, my daughters because we always you crack us all up. Yeah, it was really funny. <laughs> yeah, we were. I was I was definitely feeling hostile that night, partially because, you know, you know, he's he's he's. And, you know, an attractive guy and like, but he's just always been such a dick to me. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't responded like horribly that night because I was already stressed. I like changed four kegs. <laughs> <laughs> I was sweating. I like, you know, everything about me was all screwed up. I, I was like, oh my God, I just, I just want to go to bed. But <laughs> 
<laughs> I totally remember those funny. Your Instagram story is very funny. And I do share it with my daughters a lot. Cause I think maybe they fall, maybe one of them follows you. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, you're, you're really funny. You've done a lot of like, I don't even know where you get all the, um, you like have like cartoon stuff around you all the time. Like you'll end up like in with, you know what I mean? Like the, um, oh, yeah, the, the filters, little... I don't know where you get those, but they're really funny. Yeah. I, I just look up the little gifts and then I, I post them on with it. And um, I just try to keep it light and funny on there. Cause yeah. I never want to be depressed on, uh, on the internet or anything like that. Cause yeah. I just want people to see like a happy, fun, like, you know, aspect that, I, I just, I love to joke around. My whole family loves to joke around and um, it kind of, it, it lightens things up and I feel like it's good to lighten other people's day. Definitely. Yeah. A little silly. Like who cares if people think I'm a little crazy? Like, I don't know. It's crazy. super fun. You're always <laughs> upbeat and light and you're not a victim at all, which is such a turnoff when people are victims. I- but I just wanted to say one other thing. My daughters and I love your freaking nose. You have such a great nose. <laughs> I don't know if oh, people tell you. you that all the time. Do people, people must tell you that. It's like Tommy Lee. You know what? You I've heard it muscles. like twice in my life. I've, um, there was a guy that, that I dated before anything. I dated him and he said, I really like your nose. And <laughs> I was like, oh my God, like he has a nose thing for me. And, you know. It's your nostrils. You've got great nostrils. They're like flaring. It's like, that's a thing. I don't know. It's, it's a really good quality. I think you've got a great nose. That's yeah, why I, I wasn't I, sure if you were Greek. Yeah, I can flare them on command. I'm pretty sure I can. Um. <laughs> that's also, and, and also people, do, I meant to say that's awesome. People don't know that you're, you play the violin and it's yeah. really good. <laughs> I've been uh, teaching myself how to play. You taught um, yourself? You didn't go to like classes when you were little? Uh, nothing. I don't have any oh. kind of experience I have had guitar le- I've had guitar lessons and I know how to play mandolin oh so wow mandolin's a little similar to like violin not that much but is it know. does it have a bow I don't even know mandolin's uh just a strumming it's like it's uh eight strings but it's tuned like a like a violin it's just more of an Italian instrument oh and, okay uh, okay because violin is, I mean, I did it when I was young, but it's frustrating. It is like, if you just slightly move that, it's a bow, right? Isn't that what it's called yeah. with the horse? I got, I forget. I used to love my, <laughs> I loved my case. I had my resin and my little velvet case with my violin in it. And, um, but yeah, you just move that little bow just a smidge. There's my alarm again. <laughs> and it just, the sound is different. I just remember being so frustrated with that thing. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is it's frustrating. frustrating but you've got it down you're playing like some really complicated stuff are you reading music um no I'm just trying to go by ear I wow. just I like I love to play instruments I love to play music I think it it relieves so many things when mm-hmm. you you have an like an outlet like that that's why yeah. I've been learning violin a lot this year because you know I'm I have a lot of time to what an instrument to pick up though like of all the instruments like I'm really was so impressed because it's it's beautiful violins are really beautiful but I think they're so it's very they're challenging there's no doubt it's a very challenging instrument so I love it yeah I'm I'm impressed and I don't know I just don't think that like people pick up the violin I feel like everyone picks up the guitar that's the cool thing to do or the drums or a bass like but a violin like that's just I thought that was really neat and unique 
Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really cool. Well, is there anything you'd want to add to um, anything? Is there anything you want to tell people who are, you know, recently diagnosed or? Well, if you're recently diagnosed, um, don't let it stop your life. Just mm -hmm. keep going. You don't need to dwell on things that you cannot change. And, you know, just be positive. Don't be negative. <laughs> totally. I know people always laugh about that, but it's true. Well, thank you so much for doing this for me. You have no idea. It's going to be a huge help for people that are recently diagnosed. It's so good for people to hear other people's stories. It's so helpful. It's always good to have a gay man's perspective about HIV because you guys have a whole different life going on. A lot of times I have HIV positive women, but I wanted to hear all about how it is for you because it's really important to get that perspective because it is such a big part of the community. So yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I so appreciate it. And you're so candid and open and it's really, really lovely. So. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for having me. It's like, oh. thank you. I wanted to do this. I, I think it's important to mm -hmm. tell people what your personal experiences are because, mm -hmm. you know, it may be different for everybody, but, you know, we can all relate in yeah. some kind of way because, you know, life just happens and, you know, we just got to be there for each other. Mm, so true. Thank you so much, Edward Cyber Homo, for being on my podcast. You were a delight, and I'm so glad that I got to share this with everybody. Until next week. If you'd like to be notified of any of my upcoming podcasts, be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to help this girl out, then please rate, review, and share my show. Thanks, guys. Today's show was brought to you by Benny Olive Sky, Toby Finn, Basil Fig, and Baby Kitty. Sawyer, too. If you come home, we miss you. Bye, guys.